Hi besties, this is Not So Peter Priesthood Podcast, and I am Jake Taylor. Um, just real quick, this is an episode about the AP article that came out, and it is um, just a trigger warning about uh, suicidal um, sex abuse, sexual assault, um, those kind of things, mental health. Um, if those are things that might trigger you at this time, or you don't have the bandwidth for it in your um, mental health uh, journey, um, please uh, be aware of that, and um, you may want to skip this one and be and listen to it when you have the um, ability to do so. Um, on that note, uh, we are also not professionals, and we are speaking from our very own experiences, nothing um, as far as, like, we are not licensed therapists, um, so just keep that in mind as you listen um, to the things that we say. Um, This is a very heavy subject, but also one that we thought that was very important to cover. Um, On that note, um, you can rate, review, and subscribe. Also, you can reach us at notsopeterpriesthood at gmail.com and on Instagram at notsopeterpriesthood. And without anything, without further ado, (laughs) um, that is all I have to say, and enjoy the episode. my nephew during the week and oh my god he's so chunky I just oh, oh so cute so cute he's got like dimples oh my god and I made him laugh <laughs> oh. oh nothing better than a baby laughing at you it's true and you being the cause that yeah yeah the until they become a toddler and they're laughing at you and you're like and then they become a teenager and uh, make rude comments about your hair or like something and you're just like oh cool or your laugh and or your like, laugh <laughs> I'm a <Google. laughs> uh, oh, so good yeah. well are you just well, so thrilled to talk about what we're talking about I'm not but I'm thrilled well, to talk with you but not about this topic yeah yeah this is a topic that I did not want I was so against talking about it just because everybody's talking about it, but also because I don't want to talk about it. (laughs) Yeah. And I also feel like we're not, we don't have any like professional training or anything really to deal with the subject matter. And so it feels like speaking out of turn almost, but then again, we have a reaction to it. And so I think that's a valid conversation to have. Maybe. Yeah. So we can right away from <laughs> we can talk about it within the realm of our yes. knowledge base Just, and our experience, but not yes, exactly, yeah. but not coming from a place of like professional or an educated mm-hmm. stance. Yeah. Sure. Although in a few years, I will be a therapist. So <laughs> yeah. 
you visit this then yeah yes <laughs> um so yeah so for listeners i'm sure you've heard about it from multiple places but the ap article that was written entitled seven years of sex abuse how mormon leaders or sorry mormon officials let it happen written by michael resendez uh, yeah okay. so quick recap Trigger on who michael is also. yeah oh yeah <laughs> warning for all the things sex abuse child abuse all of it. Take care of yourselves, friends. Um, so yeah, just to recap who Mike Resendez is, um, he was a member of the Boston Globe Spotlight team, which was a group of reporters who exposed the Roman Catholic Church's cover-up of clergy sex abuse, and that earned them the 2003 Pulitzer Prize for Public Service. Um, and then in 2015, Mark Ruffalo portrayed him in the movie called Spotlight, which I watched last night. <laughs> Good for you. I was, I felt so dumb because you messaged it like, Spotlight is on. Oh, yeah. And I was like, what's Spotlight? <laughs> yeah, felt, like, because it was like a conversation we'd had like hours previous. And yeah. then I was like, oh, by the way, I'm watching this Turning. movie tonight. <laughs> um, so yeah, so Mike wrote on August 4th, 2022, so just a few weeks ago, he published the LDS article, which describes how the LDS church has handled certain sex abuse allegations through their helpline. It revealed a number of instances where the church knew about ongoing abuse and did not report to authorities because such communication was given under clergy privilege. So, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, okay. Um, hmm. I don't even I don't even know where to start. So, like the <laughs> under clergy privilege, just I that whole phrase just mm, gives me. I don't I don't understand. I don't I thought that a volunteer position could not be considered clergy status because you were not. Because you're a layman. Accredited. Yeah, you're not accredited. You have no training. You have like. Like clergy members go to school to become yeah, like Catholic priests have the seminary and yeah. all that. that yeah, they... pastors go to different pastoral colleges and stuff. Like there's church colleges for other religions. So I have always been of the mind. I don't know if this is like a international thing, but I felt that bishops could not be considered clergy because it's a volunteer position and volunteers fall under the umbrella of having to report abuse where it happens. Mandatory reporter type thing. Um, Clergy should be mandatory reporters regardless. Yeah. Just saying when it comes, when it comes to, here's my opinion, take it or leave it. When it comes to a child, a minor being abused, that should trump any sort of, protection on the abuser absolutely like this whole like going into a box and confessing our sins and that being a secret between you and god that's great if you you know stole a coke zero from the corner store but when it comes to you physically sexually hurting another individual especially a minor i feel that that right of your secrecy is no longer because it's not about you anymore it's yeah. not you. It's you imposing your will on a child. Mm-hmm. So that's my opinion of it. Um, apparently the church disagrees with me. <laughs> Weird. We disagree Shocking. on a few things. but uh, <laughs> Color me shocked, Dusty. <laughs> I know. Uh, uh, I know. <laughs> but yeah, I just never, I never understood that an unpaid volunteer 
who is, you know, a dentist during the week and then is a bishop on Sunday, I never understood how they could be considered a clergy member and have clergy rights to not report on certain things. Yeah. So, so and I'm, I got my little, I got my little officiant license, whatever, and from like an online thing. And I'm like, yeah. I feel like I got more from that than I got from <laughs> being yeah. in the church. And I, um, <laughs> I mean, I my dad has one from the government of Alberta too. It's like a little plaque and he had to like mm-hmm. pay a certain fee and he now can officially marry people in our province. So. But I, I feel like uh, even then, just because I, you know, and that there was no training in that, like, yeah, if, you know, I, I would get, I would, if I, somebody found out like, oh, you got this certificate, you know, this, you know, they, and they confessed something to me thinking that I'm a clergy member, I would still be like, I'm going to report that. Cause You'd be like, yeah, <laughs> let me just call the cops because, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I feel like just like as a human decency too, yeah. like just be like, okay, well, I feel like this needs to be go. This is out of my realm of mm-hmm. like, but there's that, that kind of like a, a narcissism, narcissism and a, like a, we are above the law kind of thing because yes. we are yes. above the law. And so yeah. um, God will handle this the way he wants to. I don't have to report it to the law of the land. Yeah. It's a lot of, it's got a lot of Lafferty brother vibe to it of mm-hmm. we shouldn't have to pay taxes because we are following God's law and God's law trumps Matt's law. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. yeah. And that's, that's a major problem I've always had with the church of, of they say in their articles of faith that we believe in being subject to Kings, rulers, kings, rulers magistrates, magistrates. Yeah. In obeying and honoring the law. The law of the land or something. The law yeah. Or but like, yeah. There's an asterisk, as there is in multiple things in the church. Of, but note. <laughs> unless I've had personal revelation that this specific law does not apply to me, mm-hmm. that's where it gets really murky. And I don't like that the church is saying, oh, they have clergy status, but they also they refuse to follow organizational rules that are set up in the world. You know what I mean? Like they want their cake and they want to eat it, too. Right, and it's cherry dead, picking. But they too. aren't going to pay their preachers, you know. Yeah. Very, it's very strange. Also, when I was on my mission, it was very much a, like a a bragging point that we don't pay oh. our clergy and we don't like it's all volunteer. And so, like, you can't have both. Like, either pay yeah. your clergy and train mm-hmm. them, yes. and get, have actual therapists or like people that are trained in these things and have mandatory reporting type, you know, situations, um, or don't like or yeah. you know, like. And I read begrudgingly. I read the response in the Deseret News. Oh, you guys, oh, it oh, hurt. Really? It hurt. Um, but one of the points that they made in there is that it said that people in the church who work with youth are given training every few years in order to know how to observe and report abuse. I have okay. never heard of this. Neither Mind I. you, I, I have not been active in the church in over mm, a decade. Let's just say, mm-hmm. let's just say a decade. Okay. So I may not be aware of this, but I was called to <laughs> be a Sunday school teacher oh. um, in my first married ward. And 
I taught Sunday school the whole time I was in that ward. I think I was in that ward for three years, four years, maybe three years. I taught the same age Sunday school the entire time straight. There was never a training given to me. There was never um, any sort of resources. I was handed a manual at the beginning of the year and said, this is your teaching manual um, and given a code to use the copier. Like that, that is what I have. (laughs) So I don't see, I don't see proof that there's any sort of training for any, I, maybe there is for like, I know bishops have like specific training sessions that like they go to, which is where they learn about the helpline and we'll get into that. Mm. Um, but as far as like young men's, young women's, there's no, there's no training. There's no safeguards in place as well. Like there, we, we don't know who's working with our children. Well, if you think about it, um, <laughs> just by wrote of like the interviews and stuff, like you have youth going into these um, closed door rooms with an older man mm-hmm. and there's no supervision. And yeah. I can't think of any, I'm sure. And like, every window in the church is that frosted glass. So mm-hmm. nobody's looking in on you to see what's happening. Yeah. And it's because of their status as, you know, a church or leader. A or they're yeah. a young the, men's the, counselor. They're not going to hurt. They're not going to hurt my child. And yeah. Uh, yeah. So just to volunteer. So my son, he's five. He's adorable. He plays soccer this spring, <laughs> which is basically just a bunch of five-year-olds running after like a ball. Hurting cats. It's, it's <laughs> chaos. And that's why they need parent volunteers because one coach cannot contain 10 five-year-olds. They just... <laughs> so I, vol- I volunteered. They said, we're looking for, tr- for parent volunteers to help coach. Perfect. Great. Sent my email, said, yeah, I'd be happy to help out. Immediately got an email back saying, yes, we need you to provide your vulnerable sector check. So it's not even just a police background check. A vulnerable sector check checks if you've ever ever even been in like investigated for a crime against children, elders, or people with disabilities. So it's wow. way more broad than just like, yes, they were arrested for whatever. It's way more in-depth. And you have to pay for it. Oh. It's not very much, but it's something that like... It's like five bucks, I think, if you have yeah. a letter from the organization. So just to help coach on a field outdoors, surrounded by hundreds of other children and parents and coaches, I had to prove that I've never been in like a bad situation with a child. Wow. Yet a, a young men's leader who's taking these young boys out camping overnight away from their parents. Mm-hmm. Nothing is asked of them nope. because they're supposed to tell their bishop because that's what, of, of course, of course, of course, a pedophile is going to go to a bishop and be like, hey, so I actually molest children on the weekends. I probably shouldn't be in this position. That's never going to happen. No. Never going to happen. Because, yeah, why would they? That's prime yeah. territory for them. And uh, we've talked about how it, it's like a, it's a breeding ground for predators. So Absolutely. I... um. Well, and even then, like, even if it's not the leader, like, you've still got, like, um, you've got parents of these children that are coming. You have other boys. That are coming. Mm-hmm. That are chaperoning. Yeah, other boys. Like, you've got a 16-year-old boy going out with, like, that's in the same. 12-year-old boys. And same, like, 12-year-old boys that are, yeah. you know, and so there's, and there's, there is a dispar- there is a definite difference between those age groups. Mm-hmm. And yet, and. In, and even even not even saying that 17-year-old, 16-year-old boys are going to do anything sexually to a 12-year-old boy. It's just the mentality of them being in the same 
area and there being that different maturity levels Mm -hmm. where the 16-year-old boy is going to make a funny, inappropriate joke and the 12-year-old is not going to understand it and they're going to be uncomfortable and it's going to make them feel away. That's not a safe environment either. Yeah. And uh, that's violence cannot, it is not always going to be in sexual um, harassment and sexual violence is not necessarily just physical. Right. It can be definitely just like a joke around, you know, like it just, we'd get training in the Navy, like of, you know, workplace, um, you know, harassment yeah. and stuff and, and, harassment and that type of thing. Yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah. And also I think of like these like LGBTQ youth that are going out with, you know, with these, um, you know, gay jokes and like, you know, transphobic always. jokes always being thrown around, even if you're even in church setting that's oh, happening. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they're uh, still just boys, yeah. regardless of how well we are raising these boys, they are still, and girls do it too. Girls are just yeah. as dirty. Girls just make. I'm just saying, like, because we're kind of focusing on the boys right now, but it's just, it's as simple as a boy going for a shower and the other boy stealing his towel and his clothes, and now he's naked in front of them. That can be very traumatic for a child who is okay. dealing with like body issues and self esteem and worth to think that somebody would do that to them. Just as simple as that. That's that's stuff that needs to be, you know, that that happens and that's not okay. And it, it definitely, by virtue of it being in a church, like, um, church, um, like, activity or something, mm-hmm. there should be more, um, you think, more, uh, what, a, barriers in place for those kind of situations to happen. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Especially because we're supposed to be held to this higher standard because we mm-hmm. have the only true gospel, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but they also, they give it if you were to say any of this to them, they'd be like, well, God, that's like, we, like, that doesn't, that takes away from the spiritual nature of this whole thing, you know? And it's just like, it, it makes it, I don't know. I feel like that's kind of where they would take it. And like, it would. So the other thing I thought reading this is the helpline. They kind of make it sound like this helpline exists for victims to receive resources. Mm-hmm. That is not what it is. Um, if you actually call the helpline, they will only speak to you if you were a bishop or if you were a stake president. It is in no way, shape, or form to help a victim. It doesn't connect them with resources. It doesn't connect them to therapy. It doesn't connect them to a crisis counselor who is help, helping them in the situation. It is 100% set up to help the church. It takes you to someone who who is a volunteer who answers the phone and they determine whether or not you need to speak with the church's um, lawyers. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, and of it's course the church's law firm is going to be like, we don't want, you know, to keep a hush, hush, hush because they don't want to. No, no, absolutely. This. And the, even the records of the phone calls are destroyed at the end of the day that come from this helpline. So oh, somebody made the comment. Yeah, I think it was even in my I might you might have to fact check me here, listeners, but I believe it was Mike Resendez who said the difference between the Catholic Church and the Mormon Church in this type of a situation is the Catholic Church didn't destroy their records. The Mormon Church destroys the records. Oh. So they were able Huge. to find all these details from the Catholic Church because they followed the evidence and they followed the paperwork. The Mormon Church, you can't do that because they purposefully destroy anything to do with that wow 
That to me is a huge, huge, not even a red flag. That is a huge red banner of like, Mm -hmm. there is some shit going on here that needs to be taken care of. Absolutely. Well, and we've seen. There's nothing wrong. Don't destroy it. Yeah. What do you got to hide? Yeah. yeah. What have you got to hide? If there's nothing happening, open up your records, have these records available to public scrutiny. It's equivalent to like, I don't know, (laughs) a certain recent uh, FBI raid that happened. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Anyway. um, (laughs) Crazy. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Exactly. Like a huge red banner. There's obviously, well, for years, like Mike Rosendez was also the one that uncovered the Catholic church all the stuff that was yeah. happening with them. So, yeah, the Spotlight team did that, yeah. Um, the fact that he's doing this with this with the Mormon church also, but also, like, where's I going with this? Um, the the fact that, like, for decades, the Catholic church has been kind of the one where, like, there's all these jokes, obviously, about, like, Catholics, yeah. you know, which is out of, you know, if, and then... Well, but I get it, yeah. Yeah, I get it. We got a joke about it to, you know, yeah, be able some, to cope a with a lot of people use humor to situation. feel... I'm I'm one of those people I'm who will make jokes about my trauma and laugh, and everybody looks at me in horror, like that's fucked up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the memes, you know, All you can't the- tell me that the memes in the last two years have not been just Talk chef's kits. Yeah, <laughs> because we're we're in a dumpster fire, you know, and so we have to yeah. deal with it with humor. But no, like, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but if you um. The Catholic Church has been such like this, like, that's the example of, like, this all happening, sex abuse is happening among these clergy members, right? And then, and among the church, and it's a big cover-up. And then, and where you got the Mormon Church, where it's actually looking worse, that they're doing something worse than the Catholic Church that has been held as this kind of standard of, like, oh, don't do that, you know? Like, (laughs) at least you're not doing Catholic Church stuff, you know? like yeah. And the thing is, like, the movie goes into, I mean, it is an art form, and there are some, I'm sure there's some, you know, liberties that are taken with the movie, but it does go into the fact that they were very adamant about finding the issue with the system, and not just the victims of the abuse. Like, Mm. they were, more so than the fact that, like, abuse was happening, and the cardinal law knew about it, they wanted to show that this has been happening for years, this is a systemic problem from the top down, and that was the story. Yes, there's over, I think they estimated a thousand survivors in Boston alone, a thousand survivors of sex abuse from clergy members, that's kind of like the side point of the story. The main story was the fact that from the top down, this was covered up Uh and, and that's the big part of it. And I think that's also what they're trying to show with the LDS church is that this is a systemic problem. Mm -hmm. The church knows that these problems are happening and they are doing nothing to protect children. They Mm -hmm. are protecting themselves. It's a bunch of men in a room protecting other men in another room. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's disgusting. And like one of the quotes from the movie was, this isn't just sexual abuse, it's spiritual abuse. And that hit me so hard because Mm -hmm. it's, it's true. It's a slap in the face that it's sex abuse to children, but it's also, this is coming from these men who you've been told your entire life speak for God. Mm -hmm. And that is so manipulative and it is so ugly that I, I, I want to scream. (laughs) about it yeah. you know 
Well, and the the fact that um, for decades and I mean probably centuries that the predators have been able to hide behind the the mask of the clergy to mm-hmm. uh, prey on innocent children. Yeah, and it, it's like from I mean you take a Joseph Smith, J Dog, how he I mean he preyed on fourteen year old girls like i just yep he like so he it does, started it started it yeah. oh sorry so he uh <laughs> yeah it's it's the same thing it's a systemic issue where at the very beginning it was children are not protected they're they're an object to be used for whatever mm-hmm. same with women you know yeah oh um so i read the i read i didn't read the whole article because i couldn't uh, it, but, oh it was um, ugly it took me a few days to actually read the entire thing and i just yeah the whole ugh. example of the the actual case that they're talking about i mm-hmm. the the fact that it was it was switched over from one bishop to another like and so not only you got one bishop doing this and he didn't do anything about it but then it also happened like another bishop was told about it and still did nothing. So mm-hmm. it's not that sure. Well, it's not like nothing. There. They told the parents that they should they should you know turn themselves in. Mm. Okay. Because <laughs> I was speeding coming home the other day. Should mm. I go stop at the cop shop and be like, mm, give me a ticket? I was going five uh, over the speed limit. Like that is not realistic. Nobody is going. There's, I can think of nobody that is going to turn themselves in, knowing the consequences of those. I don't want a $150 speeding ticket. No. These no. parents are going to know there are going to be repercussions for them abusing their children. They are yeah. not going to turn themselves in. No. Okay. <laughs> uh, sure, Jan. All right. Um. Okay. <laughs> <sighs> Um, and then the fact that the church's response to this was a tweet. Mm. And then, oh my god. Oh cool. Can can we just acknowledge that like the general population is not on Twitter? Yeah. Yeah, and we're not also if you go on Twitter, like even if you're so it took me years to like I had Twitter like forever ago, right? And I like took me a while to figure out how to like navigate it and even then mm-hmm. and then I just deleted it because I was yeah. like I don't understand this like mm-hmm. how am I supposed to find the information I want how am I supposed to do this you know yeah it sounds really old to say that but like this is what I was first started <laughs> no I I'm yeah when Twitter first came out I made an account I was on it for maybe six months and I was like it's I can't like it's just it's not for me and yeah. I deleted it yeah it's not really intuitive like you just you have <laughs> to like you have to start just following people or following you, like we through so much shit to even get to where anything yeah. is. <laughs> so that tweet basically just goes out into the void, you know, and just mm-hmm. like, uh, we're just going to do this. It's only if you're following it and who's following the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints Twitter. Only members. members. Yeah. yeah. It's not going to be you and I who are like waiting for, I a mean, response. I follow them now because I like to troll them. But <laughs> <laughs> I don't even have Twitter on my phone, so I couldn't even couldn't even look at the tweet. I saw it like mm-hmm. quoted in another well, article. Screenshots and yeah, whatever like, you see of it, yeah. It just it's so asinine to think because again, Twitter is not. 
I mean, I know that there's lots and lots of people on Twitter, but like it's a very small percentage of the general population of the globe. And the church claims to be a global church. Mm, so yeah. what about those countries that don't support Twitter? What about those people who live like, in certain countries that they don't have an iPhone? Internet or an like, yeah. yeah, they don't have access to that. They have to go down to the coffee, the cafe, the internet cafe that's in like 20 miles down the way in the little village over here that they have to like walk to. They're not going to do that. Uh, Okay. Exactly. And I know (laughs) people are going to say, well, they're not going to see the Associated Press article either. That, (sighs) that doesn't mean that the abuse isn't happening and it doesn't mean that it's not happening in their community. That's the problem that I have with this crappy, pathetic, and it's not even an acknowledgement. No. It was uh, our hearts go out. To it was like a sympathy pity. thing. Yeah, it was like it's, pity. It was it pity. It was basically thoughts and prayers is yep. basically what it was. Mm-hmm. Yep. And you know what to do with thoughts and prayers? Yeah, they're. That's exactly what it is. It's a thoughts and t- prayers tweet. There's no. And it's a specific person in this article that they're talking about. And there was no acknowledgement to that individual Mm -hmm. there was no you know this child should have never been put through this um the child pornography i think it was multiple children in the family yeah Yeah. but uh, like yeah it just it was just a and it made me really upset it seemed like a okay like a sympathy card and then we're just gonna move on like just yeah We'll acknowledge that it happened, that this thing happened, but uh, we'll just go on with our day. Yeah, and it wasn't even a sympathy card from your office where everybody has signed. It was just a rubber stamp of, sorry about that, mm-hmm. you know. It it felt very, it felt very impersonal and it felt very cold to me. So I had a personal tragedy, like a couple, <laughs> my dog died like over a week ago by the time you get this it'll be like two or three weeks it's been a really rough time but uh my office that you just said office sympathy card my office gave me a sympathy card and everybody signed it i felt more love from that mm-hmm. and that's for like a and yeah it's been a huge loss for me but like i felt more sympathy from that than i got from that tweet a hundred percent and yes i was thinking about that and sorry um i'm so sorry for it's been it's been really hard on you and listeners send Jake all the love because he's he's dealing and he's doing great but I know his heart is broken and my heart is broken for him so just send him all your love. Ugh, Dusty makes me cry already. I know I'm sorry I'm sorry I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry. Uh, um, I wasn't gonna bring it up but you said anyway. <laughs> yeah and I'm I know as soon as I said it I was like oh no. <laughs> That's but but it is it's the same the people in your office genuinely care about you and they genuinely were like, Oh, we feel bad for this person that we care about. Mm-hmm. And so that's why they did it. That's where it was coming from. It was an acknowledgement of we care about you and we feel bad. The church is just doing this as a PR because it was on Twitter. So not a lot of people are going to see it. It's not something that was well thought out. I mean, how many characters can you even put on Twitter? 140. Did they change that? That's they, what it was yeah, when I bought it. it. They've upped it since then. Like, uh, oh, yeah. So See, I'm so old. Like, I don't even know. I, because I'll. In but my, it's not unlimited. 
right? No, it's not. It's you definitely have a limit to it, and they could have. But it's like but a certain character count that it had to fit within. That to me blows my mind. Like send a since okay so there was a listener that said she said that why don't they why don't they start making reparations to the victims uh offer therapy pay for therapy services pay for um what she say she said um uh so many good things there was like pay for you know therapy services scholarship scholarship yeah yeah, something anything you know like you can afford it just like Yeah, yeah and make a little like press release like hey we've done this for this victim this victim and their family like and we are trying to make it right you know yeah, like yeah. or even better put another little box on your fucking little tithing slips that is for abuse victim advocacy or something Ooh, and yeah. say we are going to start something in the church that helps victims of abuse Mm-hmm. And so you have to pay for it. People can volunteer or people can, you know, donate to it. They don't have to dip into their $130 billion. Oh, God forbid you know? they do that. But what a perfect time to be like, we did not realize what an issue this was and we need to correct it. No, 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 no. Instead, they are going to flip and they are going to turn it and they are going to, nope, the AP press got it wrong. It was a gross miss. A line, whatever they said. I don't even remember. They said but. something about the timeline being wrong and like all this stuff. Like, I'm sorry. Like, that is the worst thing you could have done, especially from a PR point of view. Like, like I minored in PR and I don't have much of a background in it. I don't remember it much, but like I took some classes on it. That is like not what you want to do. You want to take ownership of it and then steer it into the right direction. Yes. I feel like if they had just like, yep, this happened this is a problem, we need to correct it, boom. It mm-hmm. would have been done. But the fact that it is such a pathetic response... They're just defending and covering more, it up it, even more. Yeah, it's more fuel on the fire because now people are like, oh, I bet there's more going on. There's more to this story. There's more things. The church does not want to take ownership of it because then they have to admit that like bad shit happens in the church. They've basically shot themselves in the foot, and I'm actually here for it, but at the same time, it makes me so angry. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like, you you cannot be put in charge of people's spiritual well-being and then take zero steps to protect them. Like, right. that just, just on, like, a human level makes me so angry. You cannot, you cannot ignore abuse cannot in even the slightest whiff of it should be acknowledged and or investigated investigated, you've got a child coming to you saying you know my dad is doing these things that make me feel uncomfortable Mm -hmm. there needs to be a conversation at least a conversation that you know that's what child services is for is to protect children every Mm. single call that goes into like a child protective service does not come out with, like, you know, proved allegations and going to court and children being taken from their families. There are claims that are not substantiated. Absolutely. Absolutely. But it is still the job to look into it and take care of it. Yes, sometimes it's a child acting out. Yes, sometimes it's a misunderstanding about things going on in the home. That's completely valid. But it doesn't mean we just blatantly don't look into it. We don't just turn, nope. 
they're yeah. a child. We're just going to turn a blind eye. So I have sat in my uh, last uh, job of the was with human services and um, I have sat in meetings where we've um, and it's a it's an assigned thing and I'm not I always felt a little weird being in those meetings because I um, they called them what they call them red it was rapid uh, I can't remember what it stood for but it was a red Anyway, they had one in the mornings and they had one in the afternoons. And the the morning ones were ones that had come, were referrals that had come overnight. Um, and they would, um, from the call center, and they they weren't, they were filtered by the people of the call center by like, we don't know where this one goes, but like, we're just going to give you everything that we have. Like if there were ones that were just kind of like, hey, Hello, it's me again. Um, just interjecting here real quick, um, just to remind you, friendly reminder, um, that we are not professionals and this is um, everything that's said is strictly our opinions and are spoken from our own experiences. Uh, thank you for listening. I always felt weird being in them because I'm not qualified. Like, I would be with these, like, quali- like, licensed social workers that have right. had several years of experience sometimes you know you'd have new ones but like you have these people that are you know very involved and they've been in the in the that industry it's not called an industry that uh line profession. Of work. Yeah. profession that's what i meant yeah. um that profession for years you know and so but they also they would mention like your your opinion is valid because you don't have the um the lens of the the lens and like yeah. you you you're coming from a place of more human because you can get desensitized desensitized oh, to those sure. kind yeah. of things and so they my would, father-in-law was a social worker for years and yeah you get to a point where you just you have to yeah because order, it will it will break you watching yes. these things happen yeah yeah and even like i was only there for like two years and i was already starting to feel like and i wasn't even in the front lines like I would just hear these stories and you just kind of become like like oh yeah that's a thing that happened and you just like it it becomes like instead of the shock just kind of wears off you know yeah um but my point was that like I've sat in those meetings where like they filter these um they go through these cases like these referrals and they say does this meet the level of criteria because the state would have criteria of Right. Things of that were what you, needed, what to, be needed to be investigated. Yeah. And so they would, and it was, uh, they had a response time. They had a, like, this is what we need to do. Um, like, is it something that needs to be emergency? Like, we need a social worker out there right now, or, right. and the kid needs to be taken out of the home, or because they're imminent danger, or right. is it um, something that can be, you know, within the next 24 hours or within the next, uh, I think it was 72 hours was the longest response or whatever. So that's, yeah. that would be something, you know, where it's just like, we just don't need, need to look into it and like visit them and see, have a discussion, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, or there's just not enough information, you know, and some, and then, and then they also, you'll say like, you all have to come to an agreement of like, this is something that needs to, that, I'm, we can pass on, or this is something we can investigate on. And, right, yeah. um, and then it moves forward. And not all cases, like you said, not all cases rise to this, like, 
first of all, they're not all going to be investigated. Second of all, they're not all going to be uh, go to trial. Like mm-hmm. the there's actually so few that actually end up going to trial compared to like referrals compared to like actual cases that you know become something that's yeah. long because at the end of the day that organization is all about reunification of families they want mm-hmm. to keep families together they don't want to yeah. put children in foster care they don't want to break exactly. up families exactly. they want to give education and resources to these people mm-hmm. so yeah so generally so colorado is really good about like they're they're one of the top states in that that they want to do like a two gen approach to second generation approach like they'll I didn't mean to go into this but like the um they're about I think it's resources. I think it's important though yeah yeah they're about resources and providing um and looking at the systemic things that are causing the issues because there's got to be mm-hmm. something that's going on with that whereas especially if it's generation after generation right yeah, there's something happening issues yeah. yeah yeah like are they um do they have the education do they have resources are they are is stressed at home because like jobs or like lack of money or whatever is that what's causing the issues with the Even whatever sex it is education we're, right like do they understand where babies consent. come from yeah yeah were they prepared, are these ch- like basically kids like you'll have like really young mothers you know that mm-hmm. maybe there you know there was one case that she was a single mother that was like i think she was 19 20 something like that and she like she ended up like hurting her child and um like it was because she was a single mother trying to make yeah and she had we've talked about it before where like your brains aren't for me you know for me fully developed at that age so it's like of course she's gonna like not be able to regulate herself and to be able to 37 year old woman I have found myself having to remove myself from a situation with my children because I'm so triggered or angry or mm-hmm. frustrated that I I have to leave. And yeah. as a as a grown woman, I have the ability to be like, you know what? I am not in an okay spot right now. I've made mm-hmm. sure my child is in a safe situation. They're not going to like, you know, they're not cr- climbing on the chandelier. I am <laughs> going to remove myself uh-huh. so that I like can calm either. down. Yeah. Absolutely. Me as a 20-year-old, that would have not been the case. I know myself well enough. I've got a bad temper. I am very reactionary. And I know that I would not have been a good mom at the age of 20. I know that about myself. Because yeah. even at 37 years old, there are times where I walk out of the room and I go into my closet and I scream into a pillow. <laughs> <laughs> and then I take but a breath. Actually, I have literally heard... Um... Social workers and therapists talk about that being a really good tactic because you have to, like, if you're in the situation, you have to just remove yourself from the situation. Yeah. And, and it's uh, a pressure relief. You get it out about how angry you are and how frustrated you are. You scream. You physically scream and let that out of your body. Mm-hmm. And then you take a breath and you re-enter the situation without that, like, pent-up, like, boiling point in your brain. It, yeah. It's a good tactic. Mm-hmm. children especially young mothers who are already overwhelmed may not have the you know the cognitive thought process to be like i need to walk away for a minute and they don't see that as an option either no. they think that they have to be there to attend to their child because Absolutely. it's such a that they get caught up in the moment yeah like and i can't tell you how many times i had my infant son i would put him in his crib where he was completely safe it was a safe you know crib there was nothing in there with him and i had to i walked out of the room and they will be fine for five minutes. They will be fine. They might be yeah. screaming their head off. You might be screaming your head off. But 
as a young woman who doesn't know that that's an option, I completely understand why bad things happen. I completely get yeah. it. You know, yeah. I even I said to my husband last night, my son was up multiple times in the night. He wanted pancakes at 2 a.m. <laughs> and I just texted my husband and then and I said, I understand why hamsters eat their young. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and and again, using humor to cover my pain and drama. But yes. but yes, and 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 people need these resources and they need to know that it's okay. And mm-hmm. they need to know that you don't have to be you don't have to be perfect. You can go into your closet and you can say every bad word you've ever heard in your life. And that's <laughs> <laughs> and it doesn't even have to make sense. It can just be like fucking dick fuck. And it's like, it's, yeah. you know, it's, Perfect. what does that even mean? You know, like, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, and it's just, if we just give people the ability to have this knowledge, I think it can cause so much better parents, you know, yeah. better safe environments. A lot more humor because literally who is not going to laugh at themselves an hour after the situation has died down and everybody is calm. Who is not going to laugh at themselves being like, I just went and said, fuck dick fuck in my closet. Like that's hilarious. Yeah. You know, and it causes a lot more. We need to stop taking ourselves so seriously and we need to stop putting so much pressure on ourselves as parents, as caregivers, as just human beings. And I think the church does such a disservice in saying that we need this perfectness and this exactness. That's what I was going to say. Perfection within the church is, yeah. Because I'm sorry, having a child having a rip-roaring temper tantrum and smearing poop on the wall, singing a hymn is not going to help in that situation. No, it's not. Like, it's just not. You just have to pick the right hymn. You got to be like, mm, what's a good <laughs> hymn for this situation? Um, come follow me. Uh, no. You're just like. Screaming <laughs> the spirit of God, like total death. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe that would work. But just the fact that, like, that's not even, there's not that's even not a an good education about it. Yeah, yeah, there needs to be. Coping mechanisms exist because they help you survive. And they empower you to make better decisions and to do better things and to make your life better. It actually makes you more perfect by doing that. Yeah. (laughs) Like, I am not at my best (laughs) as a mom. Like, I really struggle with my children. I'm very triggered by when they have big emotions because I was raised that big emotions were sinful. You know, being angry meant you were listening to Satan or whatever. Yeah, and a notion to my parents, yeah, that's just how it was. You know, I remember my dad even saying, like, I laughed too loudly. And then after going through the temple, I figured that one out. Mm. But, you know, and so, yes, I am very triggered by my child having a screaming fit because I, my inner child was never allowed to have that screaming fit without being told, shut up, stop, calm down. And yeah. now, knowing what I know and having the information, you know what? Sometimes he just needs to scream. He yeah. just needs to scream. He just needs to slam his toy truck. He needs to get it out of his system and has nothing to do with me as a parent. That's yeah. his little his little brain figuring it out. And so mm-hmm. me getting angry and me getting upset with him does absolutely nothing. It just escalates the situation. Exactly. Yeah. Um and- 
and yeah, and that's an education that I don't think a lot of young parents get. Right. Just a little side note. I've heard about this type of therapy where they, the therapist will bring you back to your child, your inner child, mm-hmm. basically like they, and they do it progressively. Like they kind of just, and it's one of those, it's a very intensive ther- form of therapy. But I don't know what it's called. Listeners, if you know what it's called, let me know. Um, I don't know. I, I could Google it, but I'm not going to. But um, they, but if you, it's so intense that if you can't leave, like the therapist cannot leave you. Basically, they they make it also a form of like the therapist becomes a parental figure to the to the client, and then yeah. um, and it becomes like it basically reshapes your childhood and like in that you're you're not necessarily like your childhood because your childhood experiences are always there but it's also just like reshaping those things that formed your informed like how you how you were saying like you were not able to um act out because Mm -hmm. it was wrong Mm -hmm. it would reshape that kind of thing where you would uh become where it wouldn't be that wouldn't be a trigger for you you could Mm -hmm. just like and then they bring you back, obviously, but, like, it's, I don't know. They're, yeah, they're like, inner child work is very, it's very interesting. I did a lot of it when I took my um, kids' yoga teacher training mm-hmm. because a lot of being a kids' yoga teacher training is being childlike and mm-hmm. being with the kids and playing with them on a childish level. That's a lot of what it is. And so if you had a really traumatic childhood you may not be able to tap into that. And so there's a lot of discussion about like forgiving your parental figures or for, or saying to your inner child, you know what? It's okay that you were mad about that and you did nothing wrong. There's a lot of like work with that. And I think it's very interesting in like a therapeutic sense, as long as it doesn't go into the like memory yeah. Recalling stuff that gets a little we'll talk little about murky. that next week. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, we will. <laughs> yeah. I'm excited. Spoiler, kids. We're gonna we're gonna have a real culty little conversation next week. Yes. yes um we. but yeah, I think it's very and even just a simple task of just writing a letter to yourself as a child and mm-hmm. saying like you weren't listened to in this situation. You weren't given the love that you needed at this specific moment in time. Mm-hmm. And I'm sorry, and I love you. That can be a huge, like, very cathartic like, thing yeah. to do. Absolutely. And forgiving your, yeah, forgiving yourself yeah. and forgiving your parents and yeah. like, all that stuff. So, um, like, my mom thinks that I come on this podcast and I blame her for everything that ever happened to my life. She's never listened to the podcast, mm-hmm. but she, what she doesn't understand is, is I recognize that my parents were very young when they had me. And I recognize that they did not have the tools provided to them to necessarily raise me as who I was. Yeah. And, and that's fine. I don't hold any ill will towards her. I don't, I don't blame my parents for raising me in the church. They were raised in the church. That's what yeah. they knew. So right. to, I, I would never blame them for that. I mean, I'm annoyed about the things that happened in my life. Absolutely. And I have anger about those things, but it's mm-hmm. not a blame game. Right. It's an acknowledgement of like, they did the best that they could at the time. Right. Well, and there's also not to, it's a little diversion, but the um, digression, there's a TikTok uh, trend kind of right now, not the, not the teenage dirtbag one, but the. <laughs> uh, I am a teenage dirtbag. <laughs> <laughs> 
there's another one where um they talk about like i they kind of i don't know necessarily like just keeping enduring through life you know mm-hmm. and like why do i keep going and it's like I do it for her and they use, then they'll show a picture of their child. Their little one. Yeah. Or like, or as them as a child or. Yes. And like, it's, it's gives me shivers just thinking about that. Just cause it's like, I think of young Jake, like baby Jake. And I just like how, um, (laughs) um, how just like, I don't know. It's just so so innocent. And then there's like all these, but then there's all these things, you know, like as a gay kid, you know, too, like those, all these feelings, you know, that you just didn't understand. And like, but yeah. nobody around you was able to comprehend those things and be able to give me the tools to understand it either. And so Absolutely. I've been trying to like be more forgiving about that too yeah Yeah, because at the end of the day you're just you're figuring this out like I say to my son all the time that I've only been a mommy for five years I'm still learning I say you're still learning how to be a person and I'm still learning how to be a mommy and he's and it always like the look on his face always makes me like he's so cute but he always goes like oh yeah I was like I've never been a mom before before you came so I'm still learning and he's like okay. And I'm like, I make mistakes and you make mistakes, but we're trying, we're working on it together. And he's like, okay, you know, and, and I think that's important is you've never been a 27 year old man. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) But you know, you've never been the age that you are right now. And so you have to cut yourself a break because you are still learning how to exist in this stage of your life. And that's, I think we've just put so much pressure on everybody to just, and and I think a lot of it comes from the church and being we have to be this perfect example. And at the end of the day, we're all just winging it and doing the best that we can. Yeah. And, and I, I, I think sorry. this whole conversation where we've gone into this older realm of like uh, therapy and having tools and like that kind of resources and stuff is mm-hmm. um, it shows that there's the the systemic problems within the church is because they don't provide those resources and um i don't know where i was going with that does that make sense like, yeah it just... absolutely does like it's it's i remember being as a kid and i so i listeners i was diagnosed with um like manic depression in my teens it's something i have i've gone through different diagnoses my entire life it's been this it's been this it's been this basically i just don't make the right brain chemicals and that's fine I I get them from a store. So, but I remember being a kid and struggling with suicidal ideations Mm -hmm. and going to my parents and my parents taking me to my bishop. They did not take me to a doctor. They did not take me to a child psychologist. It was a bishop's appointment. And the bishop then in turn said maybe we need to look at some sort of medication thank god thank god that my bishop at that time had the forethought of knowing that there was like you know pharmaceuticals for people with depression because had he been just you know joe blow the farmer he'd have been like okay but it just so happened that the bishop at our time understood and got me to where i needed and sent me to a doctor who was you know in the church And said, this is what's going on with this child. We need to help her. And that is not normal. That is not normal. Because my parents had nothing to do with my treatment. They had nothing to do with my doctor's appointments. I, my medication was kept in the kitchen 
but it was my responsibility as a 14 year old child to take my medication. Wow. And yeah. And so I've, and, and again, not any shade on my parents. They were just doing the best that they could. Right. You know, but that's, that's very, that's uncommon just to even have the medication. But I think that the, the commonality is that, that there's no help given because they don't understand it and they don't want to understand it. If it doesn't fall within the box of what the church approves, then they don't know how to, there's no, there's no information for them. Yeah, and, the handbook doesn't say anything about it. So let's, we don't know what to do with it. Absolutely. And I moved back in with my parents when I was in my early 20s. Um, like after my divorce and I had had a, like another relationship and that had gone really bad. I have really bad luck picking people, but it's fine. Um, so I had moved back in with my parents and my dad was a bishop at the time. <clears throat> and so I was living with them and I was kind of like I was working and just kind of doing my own thing. And I happened to be sitting at home one night and he came home from like a bishop's training session in with the state president or whatever and he sat down next to me which was weird <laughs> and he kind of looked at me and I said what's up <laughs> and he said we talked about mental illness tonight and about how it's more complicated than I ever really realized and that it's and like an actual thing in brains and it's lacking chemicals or having too much of a chemical and I was like yeah and I mean at this point it had been a decade of me being you know, on different medications and with different therapies and even being in a psych ward for a time of my life. And he looked at me and he said, I'm so sorry that I didn't know that. And that was huge. Like I started crying and he got all like uncomfortable, of course. But he, but he said to me, you know, at 24 years old, like, I'm sorry. I didn't, I didn't realize. Wow. And I mean, that was only recent, like that's pretty recent. I mean, I'm so, so young, but yeah, but like you know, like, yeah, I'm only 29 now. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, that's a very recent development in the whole grand scheme of things of the church actually saying, like, no, mental illness is like an actual thing and acknowledging yeah. it. It's only been recent, yeah, that they've, yeah. Mm-hmm. Where there was like the fact that my dad even had like a bishop's training about the fact that, like, how to deal with like mental illness and where to send people. Yeah. Like, that's huge. That was a huge thing for me just to finally be validated. Like I wasn't making it up and I didn't yeah. just need to read the scriptures more, you know? Mm, yeah. So. Well, that's always been their go-to is the pray yeah. and read your scriptures. And that's just not, it's not a viable solution. It's a good, it can be a good coping mechanism, I guess, for yeah. some people, you know, but it's not going to be a solution. The amount of fast Sundays that I just fasted and prayed my little heart out that I just would be normal, that I just could be a happy kid and not be completely, like, destroyed by these, like, these intrusive thoughts in my brain that came from wherever. Like, I was convinced it was Satan whispering into my ear all the time because I would get these intrusive thoughts. And just the amount of, like, energy spent, like, pleading with god going without food you know yeah it's it's not okay that that's that that's what i was told right sorry no you got me crying again um because i was (laughs) thinking of little dusty just being like worrying her little heart out about there's something wrong with my brain you know and thinking that 
that's what's going to help you is starving yeah. yourself and praying about it. And and then I think of, you know, little Jake of just in the same vein of, you know, and LGBTQ youth in uh, the church that think that praying the gay way is what's going to do yeah. it. If I go on my mission and I come home in two years and having served well, I'm not going to be gay anymore. If I, you know, get married in the temple and I follow all these rules and I start having babies right away, I'm not going to be sick anymore. My brain's going to be fixed. That's what I, honest to God, thought that I was going to go through that temple and I was going to come out and I'd made it and I was going to be better. Mm -hmm. Because that's what we were taught our whole lives is that the church is the end all be all and going to the temple is, you know, what we're here for. And now knowing like, no, honey, your brain just doesn't make the chemicals it's supposed to. That's all. That's it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. (sighs) Sorry. (laughs) Sorry. It's the Canadian in me apologizing. I'm not actually (laughs) sorry for what I'm saying. I'm sorry for making you feel emotions that you're uncomfortable. (laughs) No, I'm fine. I I don't mind crying. Well, that's, I mean probably a good thing because you're friends with me so <laughs> yeah that was right from the beginning uh, that says about me that oh i like friends that make me cry i'm just kidding <laughs> it's because we delve into these deep things that we that on a surface relationship unless you're like me and you're like oh hi i just met you here's all my trauma <laughs> i'm gonna make a joke about it hold on <laughs> <laughs> just wait there's more <laughs> But, you know, we have these relationships, especially as an adult, where you're older and you don't have time for, like, the, you know, just the surface stuff. Like, I don't. Small talk. I don't like small talk. I really don't. I I want to know, like, your your story. And I want to know where you come from. And I want to know what, like, lights your soul on fire. And what makes you get up in the morning. Like, those are the things I crave to know about the people in my life. So, I think it's it's what we want from people we care about we want these deep connections rather than just surface we go to the same word so we're friends yeah (laughs) (sighs) yeah anyway built it it's built in friendships in the church whatever that doesn't matter where you go in the world you have a family in the church barf 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 speaking of i saw there's a little when i went to hawaii i saw two church buildings and i was like oh <laughs> I like it. Yeah, I like it. I don't. Hawaii specifically really irks me because they've like they've just like it destroyed does. the culture so much. Like yeah. the fact that the like the Polynesian Cultural Center or whatever it's in just, Hawaii even exists. I'm like, oh, I don't like it. Yep. Yeah. 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 Anyways. Yeah. Back to the AP thing. <laughs> that yeah. was a weird tangent. Sorry. <laughs> No, I think it was good. It was good. Um, because we're getting to, to kind of like the, we've been talking about the systemic issues within the church, and that's basically where this all comes from, is it's a systemic issue. Yes, yeah. And um, I think the the striving for perfection, even just on, a, on an individual level, but also on a church level, they want to be seen as a perfect institution and that's why they have that response of oh sorry oh oh they got it all wrong we are still good we're still good that's just that happens but it's only one-off you know or like it's just you know and they're diminishing 
the trauma that these children are are facing mm-hmm. and that they're going to be saddled with for, for the rest of their lives. That's wh- that's where my anger comes in is this bishop, had he had any sort of education about developmental, like children's development, he would have known like this is going to cause long-term lasting results for this child. And he would have never allowed it to continue. Yeah. I would hope. Or he called, he did know and he called the helpline and the helpline said, absolutely not. We are not going to report this. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. The church is blaming the bishop. Mm-hmm. The bishop is saying he got the information from the helpline. I don't know who to blame in this situation. Yeah. I think they're both obviously to blame. but Because the, the bishop could have just been like, well... For, fuck you! I'm gonna say this. I'm gonna go report it Absolutely. anyway. Because as a human being, I don't feel comfortable with this. This is out of the realm of my jurisdiction. Even though mm-hmm. I feel like I'm a, a man of God, kind of thing. I don't feel comfortable with this. It's just like me sitting in those meetings I was talking about with, like, as a unlicensed social worker, and I'm hearing these cases where I have to like help make a decision on yeah. that could have a lasting impact on these children's lives, and I'm. Um, and I'm just like, well, I was always on the, I would err on the side of let's report it. Yeah. And, uh, social workers would be like, nah, it doesn't rise to it, you know, kind of thing. Right. Because would, you're a human with a heart who wants to take care of children, yeah. regardless and, of whoever they are, right? And there were times I'd have to defend, you know, I'd be like, they were like, why do you feel like it rises to a level of, you know, investigation? And I would be like, and I'd give my thoughts and they'd be like, oh, there's been a couple times where they were like, oh, I didn't think about it that way. And they yeah. would do it end up being reported you know and yeah. so and, um i think that at some level there should have been something in that those bishops heads that said you know what <laughs> maybe i should just report this i don't care if they even you know, anonymously they, yeah. even just going to a payphone calling the police and saying this man at this house you need to look at this at least get eyes on it i just yeah. i can't I can't think that a grown-ass man who heard this information and was told by a lawyer, no, we need to protect the church, I can't think that he was so afraid of of being Repercussions punished. Repercussions Yeah. Of, of oh, you're, they're going to take away your bishopness or something? Yeah, they're going to they're gonna remove him as the bishop if he tattles. I, I just don't... I mean, maybe, maybe I've just had really great bishops my entire life who were just really upset. I mean, I had a bishop who knew that I needed help. So maybe that's where I'm coming from was a bishop wanting to be helpful, but I just don't see it as, I don't know. I don't know. I just, I don't understand leaving a child in a situation where, you know, abuse is happening and maybe he didn't know the extent of it, but he knew, he knew something bad was happening to those children and he did nothing. Yep. And it happens uh, more than we like. Well, I think this is just the tip of the iceberg. And I think yeah. what you said when with the church's response, there's obviously more to it because they're yeah. trying to, they're so adamant about covering it. Well, if there's a policy to destroy the records of any calls that even go to that helpline, that indicates to me that there's something to be destroyed. Oh, yeah. You know, there's not calls coming in once every three months. There's calls coming in every day. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. Uh, and I just, it makes me, 
it makes me want to just grab my children and just hold them and not ever let them out my front door. <laughs> Put them in a little bubble. <laughs> <laughs> uh, All the, the fruit snacks. Show. Yes, there you go. Bubble, so, yeah. bubble boy. He could, they could be bubble boy. You yes. know, be. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Jake totally. Gyllenhaal before he was daddy. Anyway. Oh. Um, Jake Gyllenhaal. Oh. Yes. He's yummy. Anyways. <laughs> we digress. It's fine. Um, we always do. We always do. <laughs> so yeah. So my last thoughts on this whole entire thing is another quote from the movie Spotlight that said, if it takes a village to raise a child, it also takes a village to abuse one. Oof. Wow. And that, that really hurt me because, yeah, somebody knew something and they yeah. let it happen. Not only that. Neighbors, ward members probably knew, you know, there's I just yeah. babysitters, um, aunts, uncles, grandparents. Somebody knew something and they chose to let it continue. Mm-hmm. And that's what I find. And even if you don't see it, you know, like you're not going to see it. But like if you get the inkling, like you're like, I feel like there's something wrong here. You know, even if there's not like a actual verbal report like this is happening you know mm-hmm. like if you feel uh, and I know like we're kind of conditioned in the Mormon church to think of our feelings and whatever all that stuff but like there's definitely our guts not going to lie in a biological biological manner too like as humans we are also biologically geared to protect yeah our children yeah 100% and so, we we protect our young that's our gut is valid. Yeah. So listen to your gut. If you see something, say something. If you hear, if you get a whiff of something, of like, it's just, it, yeah. yeah. I I don't understand. And I I've, I've been in a position where I've been with my last job. I was a mandatory reporter with uh, victim advocacy with the Navy. I was a mandatory reporter. I've been in those situations. It is not easy. Mm-hmm. It is not easy to hear those stories, especially firsthand from the victims. Yeah. But it's important and it's a, it is, um, and you don't have to hear the whole story. You don't have oh. to hear all that, especially as like a friend, uncle, mother, you know, like even if you're, you, whatever your Yoga relationship teacher. is. Them, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like you don't have to hear the whole story. You just hear the hearing that they are a victim report it. Like yeah. you can do anonymous reporting. Like you said, like be anonymous. doesn't matter if you feel like you're, you know, but like, intervention is going to do more good than you think so and it's not the end of the world if you report something and nothing comes of it Mm -hmm. it's not that's fine like i have an acquaintance you're wrong then you're wrong yeah they're not gonna come to your house and and slap you like i have an acquaintance she has children she has this drama with her family her her parents or Mother and stepfather. Anyways, that's beside the point. Um, but they like to call Child Protective Services on her, saying that the children are not being fed, the children are dirty, the children, whatever. And they come to her house, and they have a little interview with the children, and they notice that she has a giant garden with a ton of play stuff outside, and her children are running around barefoot, playing in the garden, picking up bugs, eating raspberries off the bushes, and they close the file. 
and they know they know her because these parents, for whatever reason, continually they call like once a month on her because they just want her children taken away from her. But <sighs> the the caseworkers come out and they have a conversation and they say they know her, they know who she is, and they still come out, have a lovely conversation with her child, her children, and say have a nice day. And yeah. you know, it's not like nothing's done to these people that are reporting her. Right. You know, they call in and they say, we are seeing bruises on these children. We are seeing welts. We are seeing and they aren't going like, oh, it's just them being silly again. They take that information. They make a case. They go and they investigate. They find that there's no substantial evidence and they close the case. So being wrong about like, don't do it just to be a dick (laughs) like these people are. But there's there's you're not going to be punished for erring on the side of caution right um well on the on the flip side of that so well not flip side but like what you're doing also is um say there is something going on say that not, not with your that instance no but yeah like, that's a different say there is something going on but and the caseworker goes in interviews and everything looks normal what you're doing is you're creating a pattern, of, uh, at least of like a history, because we'd always look at their history too. Yeah, like, do they have a, a history trail. with the county? And this is what this report said, and it was like, oh, it was a little, yeah, it was shady, well, but nothing too bad, you know. But like, and then another instance happens, and it's reported. We have they have something to look back on and be like, okay, this is their history, you know. So even if you're wrong in that instance, and there isn't something happening, abuse always escalates and so yeah. it's it's not it just will like, become apparent if yeah. yeah it always gets worse it's yeah it's going to eventually you will eventually save that child's life potentially yes. yeah. <sighs> all right that's a I feel like we've uh, done some some good there <laughs> uh but thank you for diving into that um, movie and the article. I was not willing to <laughs> dive into No, yeah, it, I'm glad to do it. Sorry, it was a heavier topic, but I think it was important to... It needed to be said. Yeah, and I mean, again, we don't, we don't, we didn't really go into, like, the AP article itself, but just our, our thoughts and prayers about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But, but yeah. yeah, I mean, I think a lot of other people have covered enough of the like the actual article itself to like. Yeah. But it it does speak to like we we covered enough of the like things that could um like the systemic issues because it really like the root of it is the system of the church that is covering yeah. up these and allowing these predators to continue to to abuse and then. And, then and have silent. a safe space and not yeah. be held accountable. Yeah, I yeah. agree. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Sorry, my dog's yelling at me. <laughs> well, thanks. That was, yeah. I mean, Thank not you, fun, I but. I need to go take a nap <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or seriously. take a shower. I need to I go deal with my child who has eaten all his lunch and is yelling at me that he wants more. So. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm always hungry. hungry. Oh, my God. I, I'm going to need to get another job just to pay for snacks. 